Welcome to Seattle House Mafia's Industry Interviews. I'm Phil, your host, and in each episode, we bring you exclusive interviews with DJs, producers, promoters, and other industry professionals who are passionate about leaving their mark on the dance music scene. But we don't just talk about their careers. We dive deep into their personal lives, what inspires them, where they face challenges, how they balance their personal and professional obligations, and what their aspirations are for the future. Lastly, we end every episode with an exclusive DJ mix so you can experience firsthand our guest's signature sound and style. So join us on this unique journey as we explore the dance music scene and the amazing people who make it happen. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Seattle House Mafia. All right, welcome back to another edition of Industry Interviews with Seattle House Mafia. My guest this evening started collecting vinyl and tapes from the ripe old age of eight years old. He's been a fixture in the Northwest rave scene, both as a participant and as a DJ since 92. He has multiple releases on Telemer Plastic out of Germany, as well as his own label, Basement Sounds. And finally, he is the owner of Seattle's only dance music record store, Selector Records. We want to give a warm welcome to Sherman Crawford. What's going on, Sherman? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Well, you just came off the decks, right? Which is yeah. a little bit opposite of how we normally do it. So let's talk about that. T- tell me about your mix a little bit. Um, well, goddamn. <laughs> it was fucking, it was hot, man. It Thank was like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was like a wild ride for me, but I loved it. Um, it was, you know, you would think that the more records you have, the easier it would be to put together sets. It is the exact opposite. And I, I was like, where do I start? And it, it was like, I, it was really like some stuff that I've pulled like deep out of the collection lately where I was like kind of rediscovering stuff. Nice. Um, but it's, it's all like kind of based around what I'm inspired by and, and based off hearing new shit that reminds me of, of old stuff. I'm going to try to not cuss. No, you can cuss all you want. All right. So what, no, I was going to, I'm sorry. I just interrupted you. You're going to say something else. (laughs) I don't remember. Well, what I was going to ask you is, for instance, I'll make this about me for three seconds, but I'm going to do a drum and bass vinyl mix soon. um, And there's one record that I absolutely love and it's a little bit hard and I'm trying to build the set around this particular record. Do you approach it that way or does it all depend on, on the set? Like what's your approach when you're putting a set together, especially vinyl? Um, that uh, is a huge factor, like one record. You definitely want to play, you're, right? You're like, it starts off with like, like um, a little stack of like new stuff. Um, and then you're, and then um, it can be based around one or two records. And it's like, how do you incorporate those? And then you're like, well, what time am I playing at? And mm. can I even fit these into the set at this spot? Right. Um, and you try to envision the room and, who might be there and you're like, this is not going to work or fucking, I can't wait to play this. And it's like, well, how am I going to start? And who's playing before me? Who's playing after me? Um, how do I, it, it's always a puzzle. Yeah. And, and um, I'm sure every single DJ encounters that. It's like, unless you're playing the same shit, all like the whole set. Which like, if you are, you're fucking boring. Let's be honest. <laughs> and, right? and 
I, I've been guilty of doing that. I, I went I, I I went into this um I was late on on the minimal um tip and uh it's kind of embarrassing. Um but uh I, I it's with minimal techno it's very easy to get fucking caught in the in the minimal room. Right. And then you're like it's hard to get out of. So um you definitely need to know your music and and I've run into a, a situation lately, the last couple of years with having the shop where I'm inundated with with new records and and like stacks like it's it's crazy because i'm like i skip through them and i'm like okay yeah this is cool like you know sell this keep that um and i can't tell you how many records that i i have sitting around where i'm like i I know that's a house record and i know it's dope but like i can't remember exactly what it sounds like and it gets kind of crazy like trying to put together a set and it's usually like you pull a couple crates worth and then um, you have to like really fine tune it, narrow it down to like, and it's more like eliminating at that point. Like sure. that's not going to work. That's not going to work. And then it's like, I, I, what I do is I go, these are the ones that I fucking have to play. Right. That I'm just like, I, this is going in, in the box without a doubt. And then filling in the blanks, um, little batches of records that, you know, will kind of lead up to that or, and then it's helpful to know where you're going to end up. That's a good call. Now, I was wondering, because you're playing here, there's no DJ before you. There's no mm. bar sales to worry about. There's no dance floor to worry about clearing. Like, was it was it easier? Was it harder? Was it just different to pull the shit that you pulled tonight? I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was like, I I this I pulled out this this record, um, <laughs> and. Shout out to to Josh Purden, DJ Quest, Josh mm. Quest. This is one he comes that, up in every conversation I have with. <laughs> I, I consider him one of the fucking pioneers of Absolutely. like the Seattle electronic, like early rave scene. Yep. Dude, fucking killed it. It was uh, inspiration musically. He bridged so many gaps, uh, but he used to start out some of his sets with this, and it's surface sounds ska. Love it. Um, hard one to find. Um, but I don't know, like I, I, I did a live stream the other day and I started with this and, um, I didn't really like pull records for this set today until today. Okay. I'm and just so, making sure you put some work in, you kind of disappointed. Well, I did like, right. I, I had some stuff that, that was in mind. Um, and then some of those records got lost mm. and, and I was fucking digging today trying to find them and, and like kind of going nuts that happens a lot in the shop but um so I, that was the intro track with the with the like the really like those cool tri- those hi-hats percussive build up right and that bass line so good yeah that was and, so and, good and the vocal sample in it um for years like nobody could figure out what it was but it's actually a sample of public enemy um and and I found that out from someone commenting on the record on Love discogs it. Love it. and they found that sample accidentally based off one of their old vhs tapes of a wedding and it was playing in the background public enemy playing in the background and they're like that's that sample from that fuck no from this way. rare record that's so geeky. I love so it. Geeky. <laughs> so geeky. But I love it, dude. That's like that's like the I mean that's that's part of the love of what we do and when we're digging for records and we're we're like just loving loving the music. Yeah. Absolutely. Like man. giving a shit about like, you know, what what it says and like where it might have been sampled from. Totally. Totally. 
Is there anything else? Like, I know you played some really, you played some rare tracks too. I know that's one of your things as well, right? You have some records that just you, no, no human on earth can find anymore, right? Mm, well, be honest. Okay, so then, then the answer is no to that. There, other people can find them, but it's like, um, has anyone played them recently? Right. Um, or, I don't know. That I, I do have some that I feel like, I don't know. I have a lot of records where I'm the only person that I've ever heard play it, but it's not that I like I go out right. every night everywhere, but I, I don't know. I have I kind of pride myself on on obscure records because and I'm going to shout out the the Wicked Crew um and like some of the the earliest parties that I went to. Totally. Fucking Thomas and Marky, all all those guys. Thomas was my favorite. <laughs> but blowing my mind and, yeah. and i'm like where would you ever even find this record like what is this like it's like almost not even dance music right like, where what what the fuck is this and i i kind of like gauge everything on those early days of having my mind blown and um i always just wanted to hear more stuff that i'd never heard right and so i kind of i kind of like um that's how I play records is I try to like play shit that no one's heard and that doesn't always work. Yeah. For the dance floor. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. But I, th that's the balance. And, and I think you're probably being a little hard on yourself. Cause I mean, what I heard tonight, like I didn't recognize one record, frankly, and I have a pretty big collection, man. I didn't recognize anything you played. So, and I'm always looking and digging and doing my my part too. But yeah, it was it. Was, that's what's cool. I was super into your set and didn't recognize Thank a you. track. You know what I mean? So that was that was pretty cool. That was kind of intentional because, like, yeah. I mean, um, that's very intentional. Yeah. Like, um, because I know that this is going to be archived, and uh, yeah, I was pulling some crazy shit. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Well, so let's let's go back a little bit because in my intro, you know, we talk you you've been collecting music since you were 8 years old. Like what what got you into that? I can uh thank my mom for um signing me up for breakdance lessons. <laughs> um Thanks mom. Yep, dumping me off at Ballard High School. And then like in that same time period all of a sudden I had a a, a cassette that was a, a breakdance compilation. Um, that was the first tape I remember having. Do you remember what it was? I'm curious because I had a few. You know, I tried to. I've tried to find it on Discogs, and I, I was like, why am I not finding this exact release? Right. But I can imagine. And actually, I know for a fact there were so many compilation tapes that came out of of the same sort at that time. They had like Rocket and Tour de France, and yes, yes, yeah, yes. totally, and totally. like this with the fucking. I, I think that the background on the tape was like a brick wall yeah um with like the artist's names like semi graffitied in like an old computer font like not actually graffitied but like yep and it was like breakdance you know something like <laughs> volume two was, totally. I, I don't know and I, I can't figure it out it yeah. drives me nuts actually yeah especially being like a discogs geek i'm like like i want that tape again right no absolutely <laughs> and so you you got you got that breakdancing background and that do you still breakdance by the way no I, I i didn't stick with it <laughs> um i wish i did because i when i watch like the, the the competitions it's 
it's mind blowing. Those guys are such good athletes. Dude. They're 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 acrobats. Oh they're dancers. They're like actors. Like there's so many elements to break dancing. Yeah, I, I'm like you know I have I have bad wrists from skateboarding, <laughs> and I'm like when they're they're doing the the, the sp- oh, I'm yeah. like. Or the one hand, I weigh 210 pounds, like one hand balance and like lifting themselves with yeah, them. Those guys are amazing. I, yeah. And I'm almost 50. So yeah. like, no, I didn't stick with it, but like the music stuck with me. Absolutely. Um, and um, right after that, you know, got, you know, from skateboarding, got in, into punk rock and of course hip hop. Cause like the skate videos back then had, a, they were like some of the best soundtracks. Ever. So raw, right? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and you know, in, in, in sixth grade, um, BC Boys licensed to Ill, um, and then you know all, all the punk, and then you know, going to my first rave at seventeen, yeah, and like the 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 clash of the energy of punk rock and like the hyped up like breakdance beats all smashed into like a fucking giant sound system. Yeah, I was like just blown away. It's so good. Yeah, it, it, it's it's. Um, I never got into the punk stuff, but. Actually, when I work out, I listen to I listen to punk now because it's I dig it. It's either like golden era hip hop or it's punk when I lift weights and I don't listen to dance music. And, but it's, you know, whatever, it just works for me. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Yeah. So um, we if okay, I kind of understand where where the love for music came from. And you also had some older siblings. It sounds like who who probably influenced you and gave you some access to music as well, right? Just like I did. I think a lot of kids coming from our era had those older brothers, sisters who were going to concerts. And uh, my older brother, I shared a room room with him for a while, and he had um, a lot of records and tapes and and eight track even, and that was like definitely inspiring for me. Just like sitting there staring at the tape covers and, and and listening to the stuff, and I remember like like this there was a um, a Dio tape where like the the tape cover just like creeped me out yeah uh, but i'd stare at it and just be like it was like a picture of like a demon and like yeah i like, think i know which one you're talking and, and about I would, i'd be like and like he'd be listening to stuff and i was just like mesmerized yeah and just i don't know like the the whole like physical media thing like i don't know i just i can't get away from it right i, I love it i love like holding stuff in my hand like while i'm listening to it and like researching it and like just, i don't know it's fucking geeky no man well it's it's funny so uh, i want to tell you a little story so um i knew of you for a long time but i didn't i i'd never like officially formally met you and then one time last year it was like june july summertime i get on my bike my wife's like where are you going i said i'm gonna go to the record store and she's like what do you mean record store and i go what do you mean what do i mean and and she's like we well, don't you buy your music online i always see you on your computer i'm like Oh, I get it. No, this this dude, there's one dude in Seattle who owns a record store that's dedicated to dance music named Sherman, and I know who he is, but I don't know him. I don't go to, I want to go to a shop and see what it's all about, you know? And so I went up to the store. I was I was a little bit nervous honestly cuz you do know a bunch of people that I know and I didn't want you to think I was some poser or something cuz I've been I've been I've been in the <laughs> shit for like 30 years, right? And um and like within like five minutes, Sherman and I are, are having a, you know, three hours go by. Right. And so I leave not only with a bag of records, but with a new homie. And then also a uh, book to come play back at your store, a three hour vinyl set, which was I thought dope. was super cool. Yes. Oh my but, God. But it was risky. You know, you didn't know what I was all about really. So, you know, I, I trusted it. 
<laughs> but yeah, that's, it that's was how it worked. dope. Yeah, that was a great set. It was really fun. I mean, between you and me, that was probably the funnest gig I played in a while. Like since COVID, really. Like, well, we've done some cool shit at the beach, but like coming to your place and playing by myself, vinyl, not sharing with anybody, taking it on the journey that I want to go on. Yeah. Um, and three hours is like enough room to breathe. And there's not really the pressure of the dance floor, even though I play pretty like dancey percussive anyway when I do house. And one of the funny moments I just remember now when you're talking about abstract records, um, there was one record where you're like, dude, what is this? It's got this female vocal sample that's real repetitive. And I show you, it's just a white label on both sides. I like, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the beauty, that, right? Yeah, yeah. of course, that's the one I want to know. It's the one you want to know. I'm like, I don't, I don't know, bro. <laughs> I just, I've had it forever in my stack. So, yeah, that was my intro into your store. And then what I realized about you is you've just done such a good job of like curating the the history of the Pacific Northwest dancing for, I don't know, so like the early nineties with flyers and different. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it was amazing to me. Like not that it was, it wasn't like walking into a time warp because I would make it sound like you're this nostalgic thing. Cause you're not like you're doing this, <laughs> you're, you're doing this forward thinking dance music thing, but there's a ton of history built into your store, which is so dope, which I want that. And, yeah. and like, it's funny. Cause like, you know, I, I told you about that giant actually i showed you the flyer box yeah right? yeah it's, it's massive that's what blew me away and i had a friend of mine that you know way before I, I opened the shop but it was like right when i moved back to seattle um i showed her this flyer collection and she was doing something with the with maybe the seattle art museum and okay i was trying to figure out a way that i could display them and i oh, never so i never figured it out and it wasn't until i opened the shop and i was putting um really cool uh record sleeves on the ceiling like right. tiled like the floor. And I, I started to run out of, of, of the jackets. And I was like, what am I going to do with the rest of the ceiling? And I was like, I was up on the ladder. And I'm like, fucking flyers. That's <laughs> so good. Duh. And yeah. like, I I didn't finish the whole ceiling because like, you know, it was maybe going to get kicked out of the building last summer. Right. So I stopped putting them on the ceiling. But um, how the hell do we start talking about Oh, that? no, I was just talking about my, my <laughs> first, the first time we met, which is like we knew each other forever, but it was, we really had never met each other, which that's why I wanted to get you in here because. Oh, and then yeah. we started talking about the Groove Tech thing, yeah, yeah, which yeah. you guys have to get Zach in here. Yes. I no, mean, I agree. And, I agree. With and you. BPM. Yeah. And John Cunningham. Yeah. Get I, them all in here. Yeah. And, I'd love it. Maybe I'll shove them all on one couch. <laughs> so <laughs> it's super awkward. <laughs> okay anyways we're doing that um so if we go back a little bit right like this the the record store thing is a big endeavor that i want to get to but i know there was you you're from here you're born and raised but you actually took off to hawaii for a little bit and tell us about that experience for a second and why you left um, or why you left seattle first of all burnout um a lot of stuff was kind of falling apart here like it was a crazy time in, in 2005. I, I, I shouldn't say that a lot of stuff was falling apart, but um, definitely uh, a lot of people falling apart on drugs that, yeah. that, that were around me, Yeah. Um, I guess myself included. And um, one of my best friends, Dave Zam, yep. had moved out to the Big Island and I went out for a visit and he was throwing parties out there. And I, I came out and, and played one of the parties and it went off. 
and i can only imagine in hawaii it was so so dope and he was like man you should just move out here it's like blown up out here and i was like i need a change i want to i i need to switch it up And, and i just moved out there and got happily stuck for um almost 12 years did it was it blowing up because it was a different scene or was it blowing up because they were a little bit behind what was happening on the coasts? Both. I mean, okay. they, they were like way behind, but not, not really behind, but just like different. Yeah. Like, I mean, it being one of the most remote island chains in the world, like definitely, even with the internet though, but like still, sure. still like it was just like behind, but like different in its own way where it was like untouched and like, when I moved out there, I didn't give a shit what was happening on the mainland anymore. I, that, I was like, that's admittedly why a lot of people move out there. They're like, right. I need to get the fuck out of here. I don't care what's going on out, out there anymore. I'm out here now. And it's just a different scene. And it's like, it's super renegade. Um, definitely like tighter, um, like tight knit crews. Yep beach parties yep um generators the fucking jungle like <laughs> private property there's like on the big island there's like no clubs there's right. like little like small like bars um so you guys are doing these these now your event was indoor outdoor this this monthly that you were talking about yeah what? it's I, I it wasn't my thing i just kind of came into it. it was um dave zam and um you D- just became part of it. i got you yeah yeah it was, uh, dj unity who's from kona who uh works for Roland now. Um, nice. Badass dude. Um, they were doing a, a monthly called Heat. Okay. And I came in and started being a part of it. And it was at this place that was right like in downtown Kona called um, The Mix with two X's. Yeah, you got to put two X's. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it was like had this like indoor air-conditioned bar. And then you walked out to this like multi multi-terraced patio that was fenced in with palm trees oh like open God. air and it was the, the sickest venue i went to um i can't i've never been to a proper like moonlight you know party like at hawaii or thailand um which i'm it will happen <laughs> but like i went to the i went to winter music conference with groove tech a couple times oh. and one year i don't know who the dj was but we were setting up a stream in this club and literally man it it was going for like 45 minutes and I God, the air feels so good and it's warm and it's nice. It smells good. And I didn't realize until it got dark that we were actually in open air. There was no roof on this part of the club. And I just like fell in love with, and I was totally sober, like, but I was just so into what was going on. And I don't know, man, I, there's something special about hearing that kind of music on a good sound system outside, you know, with the, yeah. with nature. Right. Oh yeah. yeah so. Hold on. Let me, let me flip this for a second, please. You were streaming. Yeah. In, I don't know. Well, if it, you, we, you were part of Groove Tech. I was part of Groove Tech. Fucking decades ahead of the game. <laughs> decades, right? I mean, there, there's like a few influences in my life um, around music, both individuals and, and also kind of movements or companies. And Groove Tech is absolutely at the top of the list. They, they did things and were yeah. thinking about things in ways that I still don't think people are have have sort of reached that 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 maturity yet you know it's just mind-blowing how ahead of the curve that 
that whole thing was. And how many people it influenced and how many people were buying records from Groove Tech or just buying records in general because of Groove Tech. Yeah, walking in yeah. to the upstairs and sitting at like one of those little terminals and placing your order and Absolutely. then going down that ramp down to like the downstairs and like yeah. grabbing your records and you're like, this is fucking high tech, yeah. like craziness. Those guys were absolute visionaries <laughs> and I almost feel like, and no, I do feel like just a little bit too far ahead of the curve. Yeah, I tried you know. to get a job there a couple of times. And yeah. they're like, I, was like, I mean, I wouldn't hire you either. So I get it. <laughs> just Yeah, because there was, I mean, yeah, you would have been. Who who hires fucking raver dudes to come work there? <laughs> no, they were such smart guys and and had such a an amazing vision. We'll we'll have to do a Groove Tech episode. I like you said, I want to get Zach, BPM, you, get you John in. Because it, it just it would really because I didn't I came in late and you know, and it, it I didn't get the full picture. So but I just I loved every minute there, man. It was amazing. And the things they did, I mean, for folks that didn't know. This was a company that ran a 24/7 streaming radio station with live DJs that were and then they op and then they were also selling vinyl and CDs, right? And it was like it was a record store, it was a record in store. a way, but yeah. it was so advanced for the time that it's it's actually still uh excuse me, kind of advanced in that like the way they had it yeah. set up. Yeah. It was amazing. And and then um, we had a studio in London, we had a studio in San Francisco, like there was so much cool I'll just give you one one funny story. So we were in San Francisco, and Gene Ferris was actually playing in the studio in San Francisco. And it's just this little room, but good, like nice KRK sound. Like everything was dialed in our Groove Tech studios. And and the upstairs neighbor was getting mad because Gene Ferris kept cranking the monitors up. He's like, I can't hear it, guys. And he keeps you know keeps cranking the monitors and the. Uh, and and we kept having to tell Gene Ferris to turn it down. Like he didn't tell Gene Ferris to turn it down, you know. But he was a super cool guy. But it just there's a million stories like that from that place. Wait, there was an up, upstairs neighbor, in, like in, in, in a commercial in San space. Francisco. Yeah, in a commercial space. It was like the the neighbor beside or the neighbor upstairs. But it was a building in San yeah. Francisco, so, right in the mix. You some know, some offices. And there's like totally boom, 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 in totally, the background. Totally, like, it was amazing. God. Yeah, um, I mean. I got to give you a little bit of credit because when I went up to your record store and we started talking about the good old days, not in a nostalgic way, but in like, a, oh, you know, this person, oh, you went to this party. Wouldn't it be cool if like we had these wouldn't it be cool if conversations that was part of the inspiration why we're doing what we're doing now, bringing DJs in, bringing producers in, having chats with them, seeing what they mix when there's not that ex external pressure happening so in a way like that visit that i made to your store was was part of what kicked this into gear a little bit groove really? tech as well oh yeah yeah like you groove tech and a lot of other folks in between but just we were just like man we can do this like who who nobody's doing it let's do it and make yeah. it fun you know yeah and uh and it's just been a blast so far but what i was gonna say is record store to me it's a very like romantic idea and I just, when I think about anything besides how cool it would be to say I own a record store, like actually running a record store, I would fucking crash it into the ground. Like there's just, it just seems like there's so much complexity and such attention to detail to do it successfully. Like what possessed you to decide to open a record store? Well, I can't really say that it's gotten off the ground. <laughs> so let's start there. Okay. Um, it's a work in progress. Um, it's my little baby um it's it's been a dream of mine for a long time and it, it was uh 
miraculous how it happened. So it had, but it is, I think that's the first important point. It's been a long-term dream for you. It just wasn't, it wasn't something you necessarily stumbled into. It was a dream and then it kind of manifested in a number of ways. Both. Right? Both. Okay. So, I mean, like, you know, coming back from, uh, you know, on a visit back to Seattle from Hawaii and um, doing a search for record stores when I pretty much knew that there was no more dance music record stores. Yeah. I knew that Platinum had closed. This was um, 2016, I think, that I came back for a visit. No, maybe 2017. I don't know. But uh, I came back for a visit and I searched for, you know, techno record stores and looters came up. And I went there and uh, I got lucky. It was open. Michito and Derek were both working. And I strolled in and I was like, oh, you know, like, okay, like, this is pretty much all underground dance music, you know, and I was digging in it and I met them and bought a stack and I told them that I might be moving back and that, you know, that, you know, I was really excited about what they were doing. Um, and then, and then I did come back for another visit, except the second time I was like, Hey, and I came back to looters. They were, they were still open. This is a pretty small window of time actually within like, like a year. Right. And, uh, and what year was this? Or I think this was, this was 2016 and 2017. Okay. Um, and I came back there and said th this time I was like, Hey, I'm moving back here and I'm looking for a, a spot where I can rent a, a space to set up a studio and bump music and not like piss anybody off. And there, and, uh, they're like, there actually might be a, a room upstairs you can rent. Okay. And so I moved back to Seattle. I, I get the guy's number. I get an apartment on Queen Anne, finally get in touch after like months of trying to freaking get through to the guy that was leasing that building. I mean, I was like, I almost gave up. I was like, I, I guess don't call me back. I'm trying to rent part of your upstairs for a studio if, if, if you don't want to, whatever. Finally called me back, and I ended up renting part of the upstairs, and I set up a, a sick studio. And uh, the record store was still going at that point. And, but you had nothing to do with it at that correct, point. Right, correct. I had nothing to do with it, except I was like trying to like get them to like maybe let me work there or be involved. I had tried to get jobs at record stores, many times over the years <laughs> never once would anyone fucking hire me at a record store i'm like i don't know I, the whatever I, I tried to get a job at guitar center one time like so bad and they're like no i'm like i guess I, i'll never have a job in the industry that i'm, I'm into except so I, I take that back i did work at potosa music in wallingford okay um this is in like 2000 this is right before i moved to hawaii i was working at do you remember potosa music no well, it, remind me Potosa was uh, an accordion shop. <laughs> That's why I don't know it. On 45th in Wallingford, but they had a side room that was ran uh, by my... He, he was just my boss at the time, but now he, he's a friend, Lionel. Okay. Who There was a keyboard shop, and they sold uh, like drum machines and synths and, and software. It was fucking dope. The cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and I lived right... I lived around the corner, like four houses down on Latona, Right by Pudge Brothers, one yep, of my favorite, exactly what you're favorite pizza joints. Dude, I used to play hockey, by the way, with the guy who owned Pudge Brothers. Good guy. Really? Believe that. Small it, world. <laughs> anyway, go on. I'm sorry. This is what happens when you live in Seattle your whole life, though. It's just it's so bad. Yeah, so I, I did work at a music shop. But anyways, back to Looters. Um, I rented part of the upstairs. Um, Looters was kind of faltering because the building was supposed to get torn down that that uh, was I like see. why it was kind of a short-sighted um 
situation. It was sure. kind of kind of a pop up thing, and then they were like, "We only have this spot for a little bit. We're not going to dump a bunch of money into it. It's just of like, course. you know, this is what it is. Like, come get it." And and they were actually ahead of the game also because they were live streaming um, back in 2016, 2017, um, like every Friday night. And I thought that was badass. Like when I first came back to Seattle and they were doing that, I was like, this is cool. And like, yeah. and, I, and I got a, a, a set playing there one time. And um, I actually, the side story, which I'll get into in a minute, but I want to finish like how I came into that space i'm gonna put a pin in it you pin it baby you. pin it um, so the record shop looters was kind of like faltering and, and i had the studio upstairs and then i had to get rid of the studio because i couldn't afford at the time my apartment on queen anne and the fucking studio and what happened was that whole building just kind of became like like a giant man cave like they i think they should they shut the record store down. The upstairs, there was just a bunch of stuff. And at that time, I was trying to... Uh, my lease was coming to an end on Queen Anne. I was on Craigslist trying to find apartments. And that is fucking depressing, looking for apartments yeah, in Seattle. I hear. Um, it's like terrible. And so I, I was striking out. And, and I was like, man, there's a whole apartment above the record store. Or what was the record store? Maybe I, you know, so I, I, I hit the guy up. I'm like, dude, just, just, you're doing nothing with the building. Let me rent the upstairs. Yeah. And I wasn't even actually thinking record store at that point for myself. Okay. I was just like, I know there's an apartment up there and I, I know I can be loud because I had a studio there. I can fucking bump beats at four in the morning. No, right. one, no one cares. And so he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I moved in there and then, um, he kind of disappeared a little bit and I had to call the, the property owner and, and like, Hey, I, uh, I just moved in here. I, I I think dude's lease is up in in June. I just moved in here, and she's like, "You live up there." I'm like, <laughs> "She didn't even know." She didn't. You know, oh she's like, God. "How are you living up there?" Because the like, I had to get the shower fixed, right? And uh, you know, the hot water, and, and it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking rough for a minute. Um, but it, uh, but it seems to be a theme with you, like this sort of scrappy. I mean, I'm scrappy, baby. Yeah, dude, you definitely are <laughs> scrappy. Like, okay, keep going. No, this is interesting. I, I mean, I lived in a hut on fucking Maui for a year with like. Did you really? Yeah, wow. I lived in a hut, and there was like outdoor shower, outdoor kitchen. It was in Haiku Camp. Awesome. The place is dope, but it is fucking rugged. It's like yeah. it's like, and you get stuck there. Yeah. Like, anyways, so. So you tell this lady. Oh, you call I, this lady who has no idea you're living in her place. Yeah. You're living in her place. Yeah, I had just moved in there in like March, and it was a nightmare to, to, to move in there. And uh, she's like, you live up there? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, I can't get a hold of, of him, and, you know, the, the guy anyways. And, and I'm like, look, I'm not moving out. I go, why don't you just let me rent the whole building? Because I, I knew what he was paying. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. And so like, I committed to renting the whole building, mm. sold my car so I could pay for the deposit, and and then I got that downstairs space where the record store was, and um, helped um, the, the previous tenant get his stuff out, um, which was you know another story. Right. But uh, and then the, I actually sat on that space for like four or five months. I couldn't really do anything with it because I didn't have money to do anything with it. I didn't have furniture to put records on. I, as soon as I got done with that phone call with the landlord of, of renting that whole building, I was like, fuck. 
I'm opening a fucking record store. It, it just like, it just hit me. I was like, what else would I do with that space? Like, are you kidding me? And I was like, I was just in shock. I was like, can I even do this? Like, I'm just, and I was like, I can, I'm going to fucking do it. I'm going to start with just like some of my own records. I'll find for, I'll, I'll build furniture, whatever it takes. And I just started to throw everything at it and, and wow. made it happen. And so that was, tw- that was before COVID that you opened. Yeah. So I, I acquired that, the, the downstairs space in like, um, June or so of 2018. And, uh, I didn't open till no, no, it was 2019. And I, I the shop opened in November of 2019, um, right before COVID. And <laughs> that was crazy. Cause yeah. I, I had this like vision of like, um, the shop be, being like an old nineties dance music record store where like people sure. came in and had to wait for the listening station and like meet other DJs and producers and like, um, that didn't happen right away right away it's actually happened big time now i've i've Love uh, it. i've had so many people meet each other at the shop and i like people that like um people come in and it's like oh like you know this guy has a sound system and like you that are, have this and like that it's been what i envisioned but it was like you know three years in the making sure that's you know a pandemic is not necessarily something that any of us predicted though because yeah. i have a feeling it would be just the way it's set up and the way you've you've gone about it, and I think your general work ethic and your philosophy, it wouldn't be any other way. Like Yeah, it, wait, wait, wait. A pan what? What's that? Just a- kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> I couldn't resist. No, it's, I think we're all exhausted from it, right? But we're still feeling the ripples from from COVID for whatever it is, you know? It's just Yeah, yeah. And interestingly, I God damn, I, I have to thank covid for what happened to me because it forced me to go online oh. i wasn't trying to be at an online record store which i'm not right but like i you know discogs kind of saved my ass love discogs fucking respect like that is like one of the coolest databases in the world right like um it's just god i love it i'm an addict yeah um personally and also for your business right like it's yeah it helps yeah Um, for sure it's it's a really good gauge on like what some of these are worth and like how rare they are yeah it's it's the the best like give me an idea like out of that stack we're not flexing here just give me an idea like realistically like what what are some of these records worth that you actually played tonight that i never heard um this one i think you would cost you at least 75 bucks to get um i looked it up the other day this one 15 this is a 50 dollars record it's a nightmares on wax side project on on nucleus oh you play i love that one that yeah. was great yeah um that one's not this is some of these are yeah some of these are new releases so they're just like you know 20 bucks a pop right um where's another rare one that i played some of these like they're not really rare but they're just fucking obscure like this yeah this torben label out of germany which was um kind of put together by OYE Records out of Berlin and Torben is a side project of I'm not going to say who it is cuz it's kind of a I know who it is it's like but a secret. it is kind of a secret but the Torben the Torben series these are are wild I, I, it's some of that kind of like disco-y tinge like just weird 
chunky shit that I was playing. That's yeah. just like, it's it's gritty. No, oh. that was was that the one with the real loose like percussion? It still had the clean like the clean kick and bass line, but it had the sort of loosey goosey, real clackety. That's it. That's it. That's what I was talking that, about. Like boom, 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 boom. We were we we're literally. I mean, no offense to you, but Paul and Sango and I were sitting back here talking about how the fuck is he gonna mix out of that record? Those drums are that the highs are so loose on that thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's not an easy record to no, mix out of, dude. And I, I think I pulled it off. You totally okay, pulled it off. Like, you totally pulled it off. We were um, impressed. Oh, so this one, interestingly, this is that super old um, house record that I played towards the end. Um, and and Paul was asking me, he's like, "What is like the age range of some of the records that you've played?" And I'm like, "Well, I think this might be one of the oldest ones I played." And it's interestingly, it's called Timeless, and there's no year on it. So. <laughs> Um, I love it. This is a, uh, this this is a $100 record. It's wow. it's hard to find. Sure. Like people people don't want to give it up. Of course not. It's on it's on Circuit Records. Uh, it's such a gorgeous house tune. It's just Yeah, that know. one was that yeah. one was great. I, and that you said Brian Lyons is the only other guy locally that you know who only, who has that one? As far as I know. I, yeah. I cuz I heard him play it one time and I was like dude like i'm the only other person i know that has this that's so cool and of course like he has a giant record collection he does. and if he ever gets rid of it i want it <laughs> i'd love to get him in here too because you he, have he's, to yeah oh, he's dude. done so much for the for the house scene and the music scene and that'll Seattle. be a solid three-hour interview yeah i'd love to i'd love I to mean, sit down and get a chat with him man for sure he's a good guy and he's still yeah he's done some cool stuff for the city for sure um so i guess i guess you know, without going too deep into the the record store thing, like what is it? Is is the record store culture kind of coming back or is it do you, It is. Okay. It is. I wanted to know, like, is this a trend? You know, are you just a little bit ahead? Because I know that it dipped out. Like we lost platinum. We lost there was you know, all all the little ones, delicious, Orpheum, all these I want, I want to list them off really quick. Yeah, please. Because do. I want I want to pay some respect absolutely to a bunch of the record stores that inspired me. That, that I just couldn't get enough of. Um, Orpheum, I spent so much money there and so much time and so much like the the love that was behind that store. Um, I, I wish it was still there. 100%. Fucking Orpheum Records on Broadway. Yep. Um, Exotic Imports in Belltown. Yep. Massa and Marty. Who, Marty was the guy that ran it who taught me how to handle records at a listening station by forcing you to listen to records out loud. And he would watch you, and if you touched the record wrong, he, <laughs> hey, and you'd be like, oh my god, and, and like uh, Masa, like the, the the quiet like fucking ripper DJ that yeah. was like the the like a Jedi. He was the buyer for that place, for and sure. it was like exotic imports. Like, right. of course, the records are gonna be dope. It's called yeah. exotic imports. Um, delicious music, Carlos da Silva who threw sick parties back in the day. And, and I think he lives on Maui now. Um, that was a really you know, underground dance music. Um, concepts, John Lee's shop. Yep. Um, and then of course, hyperspace, which was in the same spot as underground dance music back to, to Brian Lyons, both the beats, international locations, yep. epic record stores. Um, uh, respect records, which was only around for a minute. Where was respect? It was like right around the corner from Zion's Gate. Very oh, kind of I, think a, I know. Yeah, kind of a hip hop focused spot. Yep. Um, 
platinum of course of course um record stores really just got destroyed by the rise of the digital thing and, and it makes sense it's so convenient and accessible but what do you think what do you think is driving people now to is is it the 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 lacking of the tangible like what is it a little phil- philosophical question but what do you think is driving people now to get back into actually purchasing vinyl records a piece of media i well, i know for a fact that some people have told me that they got bored with digital they're just like it's i'm, I'm it's too easy it's just like and they are they're wanting that challenge and and of course like um there's a ton of music that is on vinyl only that like there's so many records that came out for so many years that that nobody's had time to digitize all these. right it's impossible like i mean groove tech was doing that they were digitizing rare like pressings and it was, yeah but to sell the actual record but yeah it's it's time consuming we had a whole team of guys that were and girls that were actually digitizing at least samples you know yeah people are bored with digital and there there's a whole um like there's so many younger people that know that there's all this dance music that came out that was like way pre-digital yeah that's so timeless that and hard to find and like super inspiring and that whole like sound is has really come back around i mean i i i'm gonna think of one person right now and i'm gonna shout him out max from apartment e records which is a local label comes in and he is very into 1994 specific specifically 94 yeah and and was it 94 i'm pretty sure it was 94 <laughs> but like and and, Love it. and i it's it's a thing like um music produced and I'm, I'm talking about like house and, and techno like underground dance music that was produced from like you know 89 90 87 up to like 94 it's got this sound right and like after 95 96 when like a lot of like computers started coming around and mm. software really started to like kind of get to a point where it was a little bit more attainable um and and better and like you know computer power was like you could actually fucking do something with it and have some memory to save stuff and you didn't have to own racks and racks of <laughs> hardware right for yeah yeah i got you but like the the records from like you know that era like right up to 94 okay and, and I, I've joked about this, and, and I, I still want to do it. I want to record a mix. It's called 94 or Before. That's just like like house and techno records that are... I love it. Because they're, they're, they have this like fucking looseness and like this like raw analog like punch. And it's just like there's something about them. It's After that, you know, it's hard to recreate that with computers. Yeah, I think I, you just made me think back to like one of the one of the stories. Who another person I'd love to talk to, but you know Sunshine Jones uh, from Dub Tribe, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So his whole journey, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of compress it, but you know he he adopted digital and everything else, and and apparently his car got broken into, and he I had all his music and his controller stolen, and basically had to start from scratch, right? And now he just plays live sets i mean he'll play dj sets but most of the time when you see sunshine jones on a bill he's playing with all analog gear and it is fucking sick dude it is so good like seeing him interact with the i mean there's so if you just look at a picture it's mind-bending it's like there's cables everywhere and knobs and 
just yeah. it's amazing and you know shout out to dub tribe for, oh my like, god yeah it is interesting to see the the resurgence of record stores and digging culture and vinyl and everything else and i think I think you're on the front lines a little bit, right? Like we saw the all the stores go away and, you know, not that I want you to have competition, um, but I think you're creating, you're, you're sort of showing people that it can be done though, which is good yeah. and bad, right? Like I'm actually kind of waiting for someone else to open up a shop. Me too. Because I'm like, it's, it, it could happen and it would be kind of like, um, like I would shop there. Totally. Like, like I, I shop at all the record stores in Seattle. I, at, I, I kind of make my rounds, you know, and like yeah. I support them all um, except for. Um... <laughs> I just want to give you a couple of quiz questions and see, see how you answer. And this, okay. you, there's no right or wrong answer, first of all. So okay. don't get anxious. I know you get anxious and nervous. But I, I just want to, I'm, I'm curious, right? So, so, for instance, we look at dance music as as a the umbrella genre what is the subgenre? the one you'd have to choose if for the rest of forever you could only listen to and play trance no come on really That'd be hardcore <laughs> i'm gonna say why before i say what it is the amount the elements that can be infused into this subgenre. it's just like endless and the the level of moods that can be like used and like where it can go it breaks yeah i i just like there's something about and i'm not not talking about like new school breaks or like just like really like good kind of like non 44 just like just like yeah. that fucking like off beat where it's just like you just want to start shaking your yeah. ass and like and that's it's not like it's not quite like the straight up four on the floor yet. It's like this this beat that you can use to get people to that point. Yeah. Or or, or go in between and kind of bring it down and like tease people to like get back into like everybody. Lo you know, if you love dance music, you love a four four beat where you just like where it gets to that point where it's just like and you're just like fucking getting it on the dance floor, but like really sick breaks i don't know there, there's so much potential and so much like vastness and, and like it's just endless i never thought of it that way but yeah there's some i some of my favorite sets in fact donald glaude when i used to go i used to specifically go to a rave to watch him because he'd go back and forth between breaks and house right or breaks and techno yeah and now that you say that i never put this together but the way he would do it, it he would build this extra tension with a break beat which was super intense but and then he dropped the four four beat again and people would just lose their mind right yeah yeah okay that's so really interesting that makes sense it's just i don't know there's something like you know kind of like primal especially if you have like a tribal break beat oh yeah it's yeah. like fucking the get out of the way if it's a proper really like chuggy like tribal breakbeat with just like a like a simple baseline and like the right hi hats, like Dave Zam and myself. One time we we came to this conclusion that it's like there's this term for for like for a, a track when it's just like a kick, a snare, and a baseline, and we're like it's simple but effective. And it's like <laughs> you can have the most like yeah like small amount of elements, and it can just be like boom, boom. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. 
and it's and Everybody you're just losing your shit. Yeah. So yeah, breaks for me. Like, and I don't want, want to be fucking labeled a breaks DJ because I'm not. And like, I'm not even actually a DJ. Come on. Remember that? I, remember I heard I your. You I heard your set. You are definitely a DJ. No, I just like occasionally play records. Right. Here's my thing: is like DJs get get gigs and they get paid at those gigs like <laughs> only that, a few of them I, I play out occasionally and it's right. just sometimes i'm like oh my god <laughs> you totally so i i i don't know i'm not you know i'm not really even trying to be a DJ. no well uh, let me tell you one you just reminded me of a funny story i so just when, love records so when i told um i told sangdo i said hey i met i met sherman and I'm gonna go play a play a vinyl set at his record shop, right? And Sangdo's like, cool. You know, Sangdo's always positive. He goes, what are you gonna play? And I go, I don't know. I'll probably do some breaks in the house. And he goes, just so you know, he's kind of like a the Yoda of breakbeat. So make sure you bring it. I was like, what? He just like, cause you no. know your shit around breakbeat, right? And he he was just like warning me, like if I'm gonna do that, come with it. You know what I, I'm saying? you got a rep for that i'm telling well, you can't argue with me i i, I can because <laughs> and i appreciate his comment but like i don't consider myself like an expert in in anything i mean i i've been around but sure. like doesn't mean like i fucking remember yeah i i'm just saying that's that's what's saying <laughs> or that. or like that my vocabulary can like um you know describe all these damn subgenres that keep popping up I know it's amazing. I I just I I don't even know. I mean, even doing it full time, like how you stay on top of it is it's that's a feat in itself, right? I can't. Yeah, you have I to bring. A, you up. have help, right? You have somebody helping you with this. Yeah, stuff. yeah. My friend Paris um, P. Ross, very very sick local DJ, um, is now uh, one of the the order writers for Selector, and is this really in their own lane with with their knowledge of what's coming out so what's what's happening with the purchasing for new stuff for the shop is like we're we're really going into a very contemporary direction with underground dance music and i can't even describe some of this stuff but it's like you got to just come in the shop and check it out i love it okay because <laughs> so you know with with that you know that whole situation there's there's some stuff that has to be left out because mm -hmm. it's other people's lives that were um not really going so well yeah which, which resulted in that space becoming available and it, it's really like <clears throat> magical how i was at the right place at the right time with the right vision with the right amount of life left in me with the right amount of experience versus like the the lack of um things in my own life that would take up the rest of my time like no kids i, I wasn't married or ha have a spouse that's like no you shouldn't do that like no we need to do this for our you know and like it's i really was the right person at the right time with the right amount of love and motivation and experience to open up a record store like that it's yeah. so it's 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 a fucking enigma no i you know and I, I i talk about this a lot and in fact the story of how i met my wife which i won't bore anybody with but uh, please <laughs> we actually cover it in another paul and i did a q a that we'll post at some point but but the 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 main point of that story is 
so many random variables had to line up. And if just one of those 10,000 variables would not have lined up, we would not be married right now. We probably wouldn't even know each other. I, I just have to say that Please. that just happened to me recently. <laughs> and it, it's absolutely magical. But but I we'll talk to that about that in a sec. But I think with your record shop, I think that's or you don't have to. But I think with your record shop, I think that's what I'm hearing. And and I cannot tell you, time and again, this anti pattern seems to be the pattern, right? Like this this pattern of a million random variables in exactly the right order, where if one were just out of sync a bit, you know, you're it, it just wouldn't have happened for you. Yeah, and I. I, that's just life though i guess but like yeah like but i think with the important shit it just it seems almost impossible when you when you're at this point where you're at now for instance with your shop like if you think back on it now and you think about all the the, the chain of events that happened to make it happen and it, doesn't it feel almost impossible like I don't even know how I got here, except I had this vision and all these things lined up, and I and some of them were just completely out of your out of your control, and they still worked out. Yeah, like I I sit in the shop all the time, and I, <laughs> and I look around. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this fucking shop is dope. <laughs> it's so dope. I'm like, how how did this happen? And I'm like, well, it took time, and a lot of like just grind and fucking oh god the grind yeah. like non-stop and like but like just the love for it yeah, is man. really just the bottom line and i don't really make that much money doing it i wish i made more of course <laughs> go to his and, discogs right and i will yeah you will and the shit's starting to blow up and, and yeah and but like it's it's gotten to a point where i almost can't um keep up but i asked for that you ask for it's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. You'll figure that out. I mean, this this is and and I don't know if you were intentional about this, but you're creating you're creating a, a like a a new piece of an old community that's bringing new oh. members into the the community that's existed for 25 years, right? Yeah, and I'm not doing anything new. No. I, I'm like I, I can't tell you how how bummed I was when I came back to Seattle and like there was like pretty much all the record stores that you know used to be around I knew most of them were gone but I right. was like um it's a drag though there I I looters was around but they weren't yeah. they weren't buying brand new releases yeah. like, there was no record stores that you could go to in Seattle and be like oh damn like I can go dig through a bunch of new release house and techno and like breaks and like right. like stuff I've never seen and like hold it in my hand I was like fuck like no one's doing that i was like that sucks yeah. like i was like looking forward to like that that whole um community aspect or like that just that like that pastime yeah of like going in like record shopping it's I, an I, experience right and it's ex yeah. an experience that you sort of do uh in isolation with other people right and that's what i used to love about platinum like everybody's got headphones on on a tuesday when all the new house comes in but like you say hey what's up what's up what's up everybody it's like yeah. we're working we're communicating we're hanging out but we're also like we're we're digging into our own shit and trying to yeah. trying to figure out our set for the next weekend or whatever right yeah i i mean i missed that for a Me long time yeah like living in hawaii i i there there was no shops like that on, on the big island um mm -hmm. 
nothing. I almost spill it. Good every... save. Last time I dropped a whole thing of water. There's no electrolytes. <clears throat> um, no, but like I, I, I was bummed when, you know, I knew the state of record stores, you know, worldwide. You know, it was not a, a, a good thing. Record stores and, and labels had gone away. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, the fact that, I, you know, I was able to pull this off is, um, it's been fucking magical. Yeah. I mean, you, you pulled it off and you're still pulling it off and you, and, and it's just, yeah, it's fun to watch. And, and that like the minute I met you, I knew like, like I told you, this was, it helped sort of feed into the idea of doing this, this actual show. But also I was like, oh, I got to get that guy in here do a set and talk to me you know what i mean like and it's been thank you yeah no man it's been awesome and i just appreciate you helping us out being part of part of what we're trying to create oh, yeah. um as far as like future for the shop right are you what is there a vision for the shop like beyond what you're doing now kind well there needs to be more of a vision but like part of that vision is to um streamline the the subgenres of what's in there um we're trying to get a lot more brand new stuff in there mm -hmm. and keep and have a, a large selection of of new release stuff it's just so expensive right uh so, like what is the average 12 inch now import i don't want to say the wholesale cost no just what it, what it's going to cost an end I'm, user 20 bucks 20 bucks yeah 1995 i mean like and I, i'm on like the low end like some shops are charging 24 like, 25 yeah 23.95 for for an import 12 inch and yep. i remember when they were fucking 8.99 8.99 even cheaper through groove tech because we had uh we had a london studio so we could get imports for like a buck cheaper than everybody else yeah another know. brilliant another brilliant plan man <laughs> let's bring groove tech back I, you and i talked about yeah. this and you know it's not god damn we're coming and doing a dj set um like I always love that about Groove Tech, but I even even back then I thought it was a little bit of a miss that we didn't get to know like Diesel Boy or DJ Swamp or you know some of these huge names that came through. Um, Wait, they played sets there? Oh yeah, but you didn't get to talk to. No, them. I didn't get to talk to. Them. Yeah. We didn't get an interview. Yeah. Like they were just, I, yeah, yeah. I think people want to know what's. I think people like to get to know people, but they also like to hear about their struggle. They like to hear that they're humans. They're not just some super producer or festival DJ that was just dropped in out of the sky. Cause I think we get in that delusion sometimes like, Oh, it's just that guy. He just got super lucky or he has all the assets. But the truth is everybody's struggled in their own way to get to where they're at in music, you know? Yeah. So, okay. So you, your vision for the shop, I mean, like, would you ever want to be in like a bigger space, have a performance space, something like that? I mean, you kind of oh do have a performance space right God. now. The I need a bigger space. I would love you to get a bigger space. But I live above the shop. Yeah, and your space has a good vibe. And like, where am I going to find that again? That's that's kind of like man. the fear. And then the landlord yeah. is like not cool. And, and, and <laughs> hopefully she doesn't listen to this. She, she tried to just like boot me out last summer with the 30-day notice and right. i was like um well let's try 90 days first of all right um but like why what are you trying to do here and she was just trying to like double the rent and so i i i talked her down a little bit I smooth talked her a little bit and uh held my ground and Good. the rent went way up but i i think she's gonna do the same thing this summer which sure. is like i'm i 
I don't know. I, but I need I need a bigger spot anyways. Yeah. I, I, I'm out of room. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, in an ideal world, I would love to have a space outside of my house to do what we're doing here. Like a mixed use, have some offices, performance studio, pool table, lounge area. So maybe we just go in and get a giant space together. You run your record shop out of it. We'll talk. We'll talk offline. But that would be that would be the dream for me too is get the for my wife too to get this out of my house. But right now it is what it is. You Does know? she want to use this this area for something? <laughs> you know, she did all the paintings behind you. Really? Yeah, that's her. That's her. She's she's an artsy lady. Damn. I know she's a badass. Her her she did this one like this was the very first one she did just on a whim for me, and it is like the background of everything Seattle House Mafia now. So I got to give her props, my beautiful wife Heidi. That's so dope. I know she's pretty great. I was actually like, I I was looking at these and I was like, like who did that? But we, there was so much going on, I, I didn't get a chance to be like, yeah. yo, who's who's pieces? Who's doing these? And like, <laughs> it's my damn, wife. It's hi, my wife, what? Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so um, tell me this. So I I see where you're going with the shop. How about like, I know we didn't talk that much about your DJing, but are like, is there plans for you to DJ, get bigger doing the DJ thing, the production thing, or is it? Is your focus really on kind of you like the the, that face I made, like yeah. DJing? I'm like every, everybody's a fucking DJ <laughs> now. It's truth, like, like I actually quit DJing multiple times. I was like, like everyone's a fucking DJ. Like what? Like I love the music, but like all this like toting the fucking turntables around into the jungle and like <laughs> it's a lot like of nobody work. gives a shit. Like what? Right. Like I would throw down like a dope ass like like house and break set like. I'm I'm talking Hawaii specific now. Sure, sure. I remember several times where like I lugged the turntables to this party, and it was a pain in the ass. And like I kind of like played okay. I'm not gonna say I threw down because right. like who says that? Oh, I fucking threw down. Like, <laughs> right. But like I played some cool music, and like I thought it should like work well. And then like people are like you know yeah, like and I'm thinking more like these these younger people and then like this person would get on after me and start playing like gnarly dubstep this was like my introduction to to dubstep Oof. was out there and i was like and like all these kids started going nuts Go and i'm like what the fuck is going on <laughs> and like um that's a funny story within itself because i had a bad introduction to dubstep i was right. like this is absolute fucking garbage Sorry, dubstep. <laughs> <laughs> but I was no, I didn't hear the right stuff at first. Totally, there's so, some good, there's some cool shit out. No, there for I sure. I didn't realize. So I, all these people that were playing dubstep in Hawaii were playing digital. So right. I had never seen a dubstep record. Being in in Hawaii for you know, you know, twelve years and not that many people playing records and the the rise of dubstep. I never saw a dubstep right. record. Right. Until I had a fucking record store and it was right like within like a month or two of me opening this guy came into the record store and i'm like hey you know he's like oh, i got some records i want to sell you and he brought in like two boxes and, I, and i'm like oh, well, what kind of stuff is it because it's, it's mostly dubstep and i was like i wish i could have seen my face right like a video of it because like in my mind i was like <laughs> but <laughs> i didn't make that face i was like oh cool you know yeah. like um I don't know what face I made actually, but uh, I was like, well, maybe, maybe if you like leave it and I'll, I'll look through it. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it here and like, you know, go through it and like, let me know what you want to give me for it. And I was like, cool. And I kind of like just took the boxes and I was like, and I just put them in the back and then the fucking pandemic hit. 
Mm. And like this was this was probably like two weeks before right. like shit really went down. And so like the two the boxes of records sat in the back for like a couple months. I was like, eh, I'll I'll get to it. Right. I'll get to those dubstep records. Yeah, yeah. And uh all of a sudden one day it was time and I, I pulled them out and I was like, what the fuck? What, what's in here? You know, and I started pulling them out. I'm like, I don't recognize any of this shit. Like what are what who are these artists? Right. What are these labels? And I, I looked at a couple of them up. I threw one on and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and I remember like I threw on one. This is how I discovered Hessel Audio, which is a really sick label. I threw one on and I was like, this is fucking, this is dubstep. Mm. And I was like, whoa. I mean, it was fucking badass. Yeah. And, and I'm, I kept that record and the artist is Pangea. Okay. Shout out Pangea. Fucking blew my mind. And I I was like, I didn't know dubstep like that. Right. I hadn't been exposed to it. And and I was looking some of these records up and hundred bucks, fucking eighty bucks. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I didn't know. (laughs) Right. And so I got exposed to that kind of stuff. I don't even like want to call it dubstep because it's like it's almost not. It's just like this this like other kind of dance music and I just didn't know that it was around because I just was on this remote island for fucking over 10 years and like nobody had those kind of records out there and they weren't playing that kind of dubstep it was like bro step I gotta rewind because there is a there's quite a few people out on the big island that did play good stuff but it just gotcha I know what you mean though with the bro step and it just infiltrated everything for a minute right I guess I know because like I didn't I, no. I I was out there for you know twelve years and I'd never watched TV so like I didn't see like the rise of like that type of music in commercials even like I know yeah. like it, it happened yeah I just wasn't paying attention and I I feel like it's it's funny because like I'm like what if I never moved to Hawaii and I was still yeah. in Seattle this whole time like where would I be like what what the hell would I be doing. Would, you wouldn't have a record shop. And I, it would, I don't know. I don't know, man. I feel like the, the again, it goes back to that variable conversation. Like, you did all this stuff. I mean, this is what's so fun about watching your journey. The little bit I know about you, and watching your journey, where you're at right now, age wise, and what you've accomplished. But I think everything was kind of setting the table for where you're at right now. That's my personal observation. I think so. And I here mean, you are. Yeah, I, I think like I don't, um, with the whole record store thing. I, it surprises me that there wasn't someone else that was that was stepping in to fill that void for um, like a dance music focused record store in Seattle, which is a city that's known for music. For sure, that that was another thing where I was like, I was like, man, like this is like Seattle's known for me. It's not known for dance music, but it's a fucking music town. It's music, we're an art, we're an artsy town and a music town for sure. Yeah, and I'm like, there's there's not gonna be like a dance music yeah. record store like. It's, someone's got to do it i love that you did it man me too i love that you did it i love that you're in it and i love that i know you now then it's it's just it's going to be fun to watch the journey because i think there's i think you got some big stuff ahead that's my prediction i hope so i'm just gonna i'm gonna make it so i think you should i think you should why not you got that you got the recipe do it yeah yeah i'll go half ass on this here's the thing that i'm working on the recipe there's some tweaks that need to happen a little bit more like salt and pepper and like fucking I get it. You gotta heat it up a little bit, like some spices. Yeah, 
But you got the main components, right? You got the main components. You got flyers on the fucking ceiling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody flyers. else got flyers on the ceiling. I don't think so. Nobody else has been watching it since the '90s, man. I mean, there no. have been, but nobody's been nobody's been curating and sort of building it like you have. I want to say that um, in the the front window of the shop, um, the ver the very first rave I went to, which was called Jane Sees Plaid, and I want to shout out um, Frogger from snap crackle and pop productions for throwing that party and i found out just fucking on saturday night from um nikki valentine who mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't know that nikki worked at orpheum and yeah. at underground dance music yeah i didn't know that until saturday and we were i was telling him about the first rave i went to and he was like where was it and i was like i was at this like warehouse on like fifth and like blanchard uh, like right under the monorail and he was like that was fucking i forget what he said but it was like kind of a a well-known spot for a second and, yeah. and that was where mark naff first like threw his fucking oh. his extra sound system in this fucking warehouse and i went to my first rave with an early like mark naff gigantic sound system and i was fucking blown away yeah. i had never heard that yeah. much bass in my life and, and i'd never seen that many different types of people all getting down to like one sound like that that like intensely and yeah. that happily like would no one give a shit just like uninhibited right like yeah, yeah. no one gave a fuck yeah. that like you look like you were from the street or you look like you just came from a fucking college dorm party or you were an adult or you were a kid you were black white fuck it did not fucking matter yeah everyone was just like yeah and i was 17 and i was like what the fuck yeah so anyways that that i stayed till the lights came on and the first flyer that anyone ever handed me was for a party called mad hatter's tea party two and it was shaped like a mushroom and i have it <laughs> i love those flyers man. yeah i have it taped to the uh, to the inside of the record store with the information side facing out so that if someone walks up to the record store and they're like oh, the selector like what kind of this is a record store what kind of record store is this like and they'll see the little rave flyer fucking from 1992 in the window with all like the fucking the funny little things they said and like the djs and like it says something like last year a warehouse event was born so i forget what it says but it's like okay that's that kind they, of, yeah they always had like this store. this folklore and this mystique and this this you know mystery about it and i i love that shit man yeah yeah those flyers are so fun yeah so yeah. I, I do want to finish putting them up on the ceiling but um we'll see what's happening with the landlord because that's very time consuming to put flyers on the ceiling i'm no kidding <laughs> well when i you know before we before we end on that note <laughs> landlord and flyers on the scene is there anybody else you want to shout out any current projects you're working on outside of the shop i mean it can have to do with the shop too um you know just want to give you that i do not want to draw a blank right now for fucking shout outs because I'm, 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 I'm on like i think at least four days in a row yeah. of three hours of sleep or less i get it and it's it's like i'm a tweaker without the tweak <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> Well, um, I'm glad you threw down the set first because that was that was that was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. like <laughs> that went well. It and, went you know, well. And, and I I will say it's it was very fucking. And I have the the records right here because we were gonna talk about them, but and we did um, didn't we? A we bit? did a little bit. Um, 
but that was really hard to pick out records for this because I'm I'm overwhelmed with with records and it's a good thing, but when like if you're trying to play a set and you, and your tastes are so like all over the place and you have thousands of records to choose from, you're like, all right, ah, where do I start? But to me, um, the fact that that's important to you to re- you could have grabbed a handful of 123. BPM house records that were a little jazzy and just come in here and play a spent 15 minutes pulling stuff and played a little set, but you didn't do that. And that, that to me is important. And that's why I want to have guys like you in here. Cause you give a massive shit about the music itself. Right. Well, I, I have PS what's PS perfectionist syndrome. Yeah. I know that scene. So when I, when I know that shit's going to be archived and mm-hmm. recorded, I'm like, well, I want it to be good. I want yeah. it to be memorable. I want it to be different. I want it to kind of maybe tell a story but like be something that someone would want to go back and listen to and and um that can be difficult to puzzle together um and i it's maybe it's easy for some people but i don't think so i don't think the people that care the people at perfection i don't i don't know if it's ever easy well it can it can happen easily when 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 you're in the right when you have the right stack of records it helps if they are fucking similar right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that helps you know but um the stuff that i like it's so mood dependent and like it's so easy to like you can beat match this shit all day but did the moods line up did you just like completely kill the vibe yeah the, the you beat matched it perfectly but it went <clears throat> or maybe it went the opposite direction it did, like and beat matching isn't everything it's not it, it's and, really... and i think even with technology i i think there's even some of that nuance lost you know i was talking to amy about it um there's just there's a lot of real-time decision making it's there's, there's all this preparation right that people don't understand with the dj but then there's a lot of real-time decision making that happens based on the energy of the room and the vibe of the space and the time slot and all these other things and hopefully i mean you know this it's it's I don't think everybody who actually plays out understands that, believe it or not. And you've probably seen it before. I hope they do. And then like, I don't think they do, man. Yeah. And, but they're learning, you know, it's a different generation and you know, I think they, they're, they have their own challenges and things, but the technology has changed things for the good and for the bad. The accessibility I think has changed things for the good and for the bad yeah. to a certain degree. And so it's, you know, but, but I do think that the consistent thread is the people that do give a shit. You can, you can tell if you've been in it as long as you have and paying attention as long as I have, you can tell. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you always do well. Like I, oh, no. I fucking blew it the other night at our, our second monthly, um, <laughs> at Cremework called vinyl mode. Uh, me and Paris were switching every 30 minutes and I did well on my first two 30 minute little slots. My third one, I blew it. I just like. I don't know, like it didn't. How'd go you blow well. it? Um, well, just like the records I decided to play, like didn't work, and like like a couple mixes in, like it just like I didn't get the volume right on the next one, and it just was kind of like, you know, like it dipped it, out. It, it dipped out, and then like the next one, I, I was locked into the mix, and then one of the records skipped, and I was like, and I was like, I just took my headphone and kind of like swirled it and laughed and a couple people laughed and paris was like you know i was like i'm done paris was like you're done and like it's kind of like <laughs> right. you know and it, it was you know yeah. it doesn't always go well yeah um that's for sure 
that that was it's funny paul and i were doing uh you, you're right paul and i were doing a set for this this burning man thing and uh one of the cdjs was wonky and like started running what? yeah how does that happen <laughs> it did man it was funky. what do you mean wonky it was running. you said wonky it was wonky it was like, it was running it was like it, it started running fast and paul paul did the same thing he's like yo i'm out <laughs> like, I'm like fair enough it was my turn coming up anyway but he's just like it's on you now, man. I don't want to. I thought CDJs were perfect all the time. Never. No, technology is not perfect. That's Actually, a good lesson for the kids as well. Like kids, technology is not perfect. Be prepared for the worst. You know, and I, I'm actually like CDJs kind of like frighten me a little bit because there's too many fucking buttons. There's a lot of buttons. And it's like you do the wrong thing and the music will just stop. Absolutely. There's no skip or like an... <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Yeah. And everyone's like, and you're like, yeah. And then everyone's like, and you're like, okay, <laughs> next track, start. Like, totally. that shit's scary. We've all been there, man. We've all been there. I don't know. Anything else you want to share before we go? No. Nope, I know I'm, it's late. We I, I'm done. You're done? I'm just kidding. You're out? <laughs> no man i appreciate you coming through come through throwing down having Thank a chat with oh, me it's been I, great i can... am honored to come by and like i i, I want to say that i was like you want to interview me i'm like oh yeah i'm like i i was never i i really wanted to say this um and have it put on record i i don't feel like i was um ever and i'm i'm not an integral part of like any music scene i I was just a a participant and a lover and like you know i I tried to dj back in the day and and i did a little bit i was never a household name i just fucking loved it and uh for for you to want to interview me i'm like well what did i ever do and but it's we talked about this briefly it's it's like you said it's not about what you you did in the past it's what you're doing now yeah and i'm like exactly oh that makes sense i guess you know I have a record store that's focused on on dance music, and it's not. I don't even consider what I'm doing an integral part of the the scene. Um, I I think it's becoming that. Yeah. Um, and I I want it to be kind of a hub for people to like come into and, and network and and meet people and like get excited and have that same feeling that I had back when I first got into it, like that excitement of like, what the f- what are all these records? Like, holy shit! Like like mind blown so it's it's finally happening um so um yeah to, for for you to want to have me on this of course uh, i'm man. honored yeah and, and exact this is the exact reason why it's it's this combination of folks like you you have this this context and this perspective coming from the old scene mm. and this humility I want to. I, I was just a fucking dancer. I was just like I was going to, going to the raves and just like. I heard you were the rave lord. No, 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 no. no I was just I was just a, a young partier who liked to do acid and fucking e and and go dance my ass off and fucking. Hell yeah. I, I, I I just was over by the speaker stacks. I was not like a candy raver or anything. I was no, just I get like you. a fucking like. I love like just getting down and dancing and like dancing around people that I don't know and we're all in the same vibe just fucking like, sure. like hugging and high-fiving just like yo just like just getting it like, yeah. it's just like life-changing some people will never experience that in their lifetime man that's the thing that blows my mind 
and and they'll experience maybe a portion of that but i feel like we really did experience the golden era at least in the northwest of that particular vibe that particular scene and i and i i do miss oh, yeah. it. it but it, it made me who i am today it made you who you are today and i think it fed yeah. into what we're trying to do now and and that's important right yeah I mean, back then it it was new for everyone yeah. like nobody knew really what that was going on it was epic it was epic <laughs> oh, man, and, man. It, and it still still can be and there's, totally. there's there's a whole new generation of people kind of doing the same thing but it, it's everybody already knows about it is the thing sure back then it was a fucking this mysterious party that's right and anyways anyways <laughs> well dude thanks for coming through man this has been great yeah appreciate it yeah, yeah for sure thanks for having me absolutely nice okay. aloha Seattle House Mafia. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Seattle House Mafia's industry interviews. If you want to watch the full video of this interview, including an exclusive mix from our guest, head over to seattlehousemafia.com forward slash YouTube. And before you go, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. For all things Seattle House Mafia, including our upcoming shows, latest mixes, gear reviews, and more, you can visit seattlehousemafia.com.